Father, again, we just thank you for the privilege that we have to worship and adore you. And Father, we live in a country where we don't have to worry about somebody coming in this morning and, and killing us for, for what we are doing right now. But Father, I pray that we would also count that as a responsibility on our part to recognize that, Father, we have this freedom, and what do we do with this freedom? And our response should be worship and adore you all the time. And Father, I pray this morning as we look into your word, I pray that it will be nothing to do with me, but it will be all because of you, Father, because this morning I have nothing to say at all, but you have everything to say. And we just thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. As we know, this is the Christmas time, and we expect it to be a Christmas sermon. So this morning I thought, why not look at the life of Mary? For a lot of us, we have to recognize that we have our... I want you to just think for a second. Think of your favorite TV program. As you know, on TV, there are many different reality TV shows. We have Survivor. We have The Amazing Race. We have The Voice. We have America's Got Talent. We have, for some of you who watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. We have Dancing with the Stars and the American Idol. The list goes on and on. We have reality TV. And we like to watch these shows because they're not scripted, as far as we know. You see, anything can happen, and that's, that's what happens over and over as we look at these shows. We see the surprises. You see, things happen when you least expect it. The reality is, just like these shows, our lives are like that. We love when life goes the way we have it planned out. We love it when things go the way we want it to go. We praise God and we are thankful to God for all that He has done. But the question this morning is this. What happens when life takes a turn for the worse? What happens when something happens when you least expected it? How do you respond? Do you still respond in giving God glory? Do you still respond in worship? Do you still respond in adoration? That's what we want to look at this morning. We want to look at the life of Mary and recognize that in Mary's life, life didn't go how she had scripted it to go. It was unscripted. I think too many times we try to pretty up the Christmas story. With nativity scenes, we have the nice nativity scenes in our yards and our home, and they're so beautiful. They're so well kept, well put together. You know, everything is in the right spot. But as I look at the Christmas story from the Bible, the greatest gift did not come in the perfect circumstances. It didn't come the way that we would have expected it to come. If we had to draw the script, or if Hollywood had to draw the script, it wouldn't be the way that the Christmas story played out. You see, the greatest gift didn't come with the prettiest bow on top. But as we know, the greatest gift came in a manger, in a stable, in Bethlehem. Not the cleanest place, not the cleanest hospital. But we must not forget Mary. Mary, a lady, what she had to go through. As we think of this teenage lady, teenage girl here. She probably had her whole life planned out. She probably had it that I want to do this when I am 18. I want to get married. I want to have children. These are the things I want to do. But then, boom, an angel comes to her. And says that you will be having a son. Not just any son, but the Messiah. You see, Mary, knowing what could have happened to her, 
just continue to trust God as we will look at this morning. But I want you to think of this. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. And imagine you were Mary. Here it is, you're pregnant. You are a young teenage girl, maybe 14 to 16. We don't know the exact age, but most people say 14, 15. You're pregnant. You don't know how your parents are going to respond when you come and tell them that you are pregnant. You don't know how Joseph, the one that you are supposed to be getting married to, is going to respond. Can you imagine that for a second? Especially us guys in this room this morning, that your fiancé, and in those days that bond was very even closer today than what we call fiancé today, but the one that was going to be married comes to you and says, I'm pregnant. Um, and as we'll look at it later, you're not going to be the father. God's going to be the father. Pretty funny, right? You would be like, yeah, right. I'm sure, you know, I've never heard that one before. You see, this story was very unscripted. Nothing that we would even imagine. But let us remember also how the community was going to react. What were people going to say? What were people going to say about it? How were they going to talk about it? And you know, we like to gossip. We like to talk about people. Just imagine Mary in that day. Yeah, again, you're pregnant. But who's the father? This morning, if you have your Bibles, I want us to look at five points in a sequence of, of the, the encounter that Mary had with Gabriel. And also we'll look at the Mary song. But this is the first point we want to look at. God interrupted Mary's and everybody's plans. And again, if you have your Bible, it's Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And I'm going to read that for us at this time. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who also was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Again, as I said, the first point is that God interrupted Mary's and everybody's plans. Mary probably had a whole life plan. As I said, she would probably get married, have children. You know, she had everything that she probably wanted to do. And like we just read in the first five verses, we see here the angel Gabriel appears to her and says, Look. You are going to have a child. Not just any child. You're going to have the Son of God. Again, as we, as we see in this passage, 
Mary had it all in her mind all figured out. Mary probably thought, well, what do you mean? Do not be afraid. I am a virgin. I am a young girl. What are people going to say about me? What is my husband-to-be going to say to me? Is he going to want to divorce me? How do I explain this to him? You see, God has a plan that would change the whole world again. The Savior of the world is not coming the way that we would all expect. But he came in the way that he prophesied in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. and said, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. You see, God comes along and says through his angel, Mary, I know that you have your plans in place. And everything is on schedule, but I have a different plan. You see, before you get married, you're going to have a child. And again, we look at the life of Joseph. We think of Joseph for a second as Mary comes to him and says, I'm pregnant. But again, you're not going to be the father. God's going to be the father. And we know by the account in Matthew chapter 1, we know what Joseph, he says, and, and, and he wants to break the engagement quietly. Because in his mind, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, he's thinking, I don't want to bring shame upon Mary. I love her. I care for her. I don't want to bring shame to her because I know what's going to happen if this gets out. People are going to talk about her. People are going to talk about us. Well, you know, she cheated on you, Joseph. What are you going to do? Are you going to stay with her? So here it is, Joseph... We have to not forget how Joseph, and we also know again the angel had to come to him, so that he knew that this was sent from God. Because again, like we would think to ourselves, if somebody came with a story, we would be like, yeah, right. You're not serious. You couldn't come up with a better story? I mean, come on. I mean, I, I could think of a lot of more stories that come, but you're going to tell me that the Holy Spirit is going to bring a child in you? That wouldn't work today. That, wouldn't, that didn't work here in a sense because Joseph still, the angel had to come and tell him that this was true. But it wasn't just Mary and Joseph's plans that were messed up by the birth of Christ. It was pretty much everyone's plans was messed up. Who could forget the shepherds in the field one night just having a good old time doing their normal duties and then boom, the host of angels come to them and sing. Could you imagine how the shepherds must have felt? They were scared. But just think for a second if the host of angels came and was singing and bringing glory to God. Let's not forget Herod. Herod had his plans. He wanted to be the king. But the Messiah was coming. The Messiah was coming to be born to be king. The king was coming to be the king. And that's what we celebrate on Christmas. What about me? What about you? How do we react when God changes everything in our lives? How do we react? Do, are we calm? Do we want to give God praise? Do we want to give Him glory? Do we want to say, thank you, God, for changing everything that I planned today? Even this morning. I don't know about you, but I had some plans of my own when I was coming here. And God changed them as I was getting ready this morning. I had something else picked out to wear. And for some reason, it didn't work. So I had to pick something else to wear. I had my plans. But you see, God has greater plans for all of us. And the question for me and you this morning is, are we going to rest in God's plans? Or are we going to rest in our own plans? 
Because God is the plan. God's plans are the one we do need to rest in. You see, too many times in our lives we make plans and we think that is what God wants us to do without even consulting, without even questioning God or praying to Him or looking into His Word. God, what is it that you want me to do? How can I know what God wants me to do unless I am in constant communication with God? I can't. How can I know what God wants me to do if I don't never look into His Word? I can't. You see, for us to know God's plan for our lives, we must study His Word. We must be in constant communication with Him and find out what God wants us to do. The second point is this. Mary questions God as we continue in the sequence. In verse 34 of chapter 1, it says this. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Mary herself astonished, wondering, Well, how can this be? I haven't been with any man. How can I be pregnant? How can I be the one to bring the Savior of the world into this world? We must also note here that Mary is not just questioning God out of disbelief. But she is questioning God out of concern. It's not that she doesn't believe that God can do this. As we see previously in Luke chapter 1, we see Zechariah who questions and even laughs and, and thinks, how can this happen? How can my wife, how can me and my wife bring forth a child because she's barren and I'm old? But we, we see also, again, Mary isn't asking out of disbelief, but she's asking out of concern. But we know Zechariah had disbelief and what happened to him? He couldn't speak. God made him so he couldn't speak. But here it is, Mary just questions out of concern. How can this be? You see, God doesn't have a problem when we question in a sense of with, with, with just wondering, well, God, is this what you really want from me? But he wants us to trust him. He wants us to allow him to just say, you know what, God, I trust you. And if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to do, no matter what. No matter what anyone else says, no matter what consequence is going to come, I'm going to follow you because you are the one that matters. It's only because of you that I have hope in this life. It's only because of you, again, as you prophesied, that one is going to come to a virgin. And Mary, knowing that as it, as it comes to her, being that person, as we're going to look at later, just being a humble person, as even Joy just sang about. Number three, God explained his plans. And verses 35 to 37 says this, And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who also called barren. Verse 37, For nothing will be impossible with God. You see, God explains to Mary his plans. In her human mind, she could not understand how this would happen, but God explains that the Holy Spirit will come upon her. Again, how do we know God's plans for our lives? How do we know? Again, we must seek after Him. We must be in constant communication. And I think verse 37 sums it up. And I think this is something that we always like to say. But the question is, do we really mean it? Do we really trust it? That nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? That nothing is impossible with God? Because sometimes I think we don't. I think it's something that we just say. Well, you know what? God said nothing is impossible with God. You know, I'm going to just rest in that, and, you know, but I'm still going to do my own thing. Because nothing is impossible. No. 
Nothing is impossible when we're doing what God wants us to do. Again, God doesn't want us to say, well, you know what, I'm going to jump off the balcony and say, nothing is impossible, I'm going to expect to fall down on the ground and everything's going to be okay. No. When we follow God and when God tells us to do something, we shouldn't just say, God, I don't believe you can do it. Because guess what? Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. As God can make a virgin have a baby, as we see in Mary, God can make a barren woman, an old woman, have a baby. People who are older in their age. I mean, let's be real. Who would have thought? And even Zachariah thought it was a joke. That he even laughed. You know, yeah, we're going to have a baby. But you see, God does extraordinary things in ordinary circumstances. And I think that that's something that we need to recognize and remember. God brings the possible all of the time out of the impossible in our minds. You see, everything is possible with God. In verse 4, I mean, in, in point 4, again, we see in verse 38, Mary submitted to God's plans. And said, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And again, as we see here, Mary recognizes that she is a servant of the Lord. And she submits to the plans that God has for her. She recognized that God had a plan, even if it messed with her plans. It was better to submit to the greater plans. You see, Mary recognized that, look, if God said he could do it, he's going to do it. There's nothing else for me to do here. There's nothing else for me to to even try to question or, or to do. If God said he could do it, I'm going to submit to that. I'm going to allow him to show his power, to show what he can do through even my circumstance that I can't even comprehend. You know, again, how am I going to explain this to everyone else? But she has comfort in knowing that, you know what? God said it. He's going to do it. So the question for us and, and the question that Mary had was this. How was she going to respond? How do we respond when things don't go the way that we expect it to go? Do we still praise God? Or do we get upset? Um, say a few words that probably not the best words to say, that aren't the good words to say, or we just wonder, well, God, what are you doing? You know, what do we do in these circumstances? But we know what Mary did, and that's what we really want to focus on this morning as we think of the last point. Mary worship in spite of her circumstances. After Mary, and, and let me just, we're going to skip this part, after Mary had talked to Elizabeth, and they were just talking about having the babies, you know, what they're going to do, and just how great of a gift it is. We all know this part, Mary's song. If you, and if you have your Bibles again, just turn to, Matt, to Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56. And Mary said, in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of, this, of his servant. But behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. I want to stop there for a second. We see in these verses just how thankful Mary truly was. She realized that God had thought on her a nobody, a humble servant to do great things for him. You see, this is how God looks at us this morning. God looks at all of us in this room as nobodies, 
But he allows each one of us to be a part of his ministry, to be a part of his family. Nobodies. Me and you, nobodies. But now we are made somebody. Not because of what we do, because of what Christ has done for us. And again, as we think of Bethlehem, we always, I think sometimes at Christmas we forget. Yes, we do celebrate the birth, but let us not forget the end result. The babe came to die. Die for us. Die so that we could have a relationship with him. And the question, as we're going to look at later, is this. Have you accepted that gift? This morning, are you here? Have you ever experienced Christmas? Because I'm going to tell you, if you've never had Christmas without, without Christ, you haven't had Christmas. There's only one reason to celebrate Christmas, and that is because of Christ. In verse 49, she says, Mighty one is holy. This statement shows a great reverence. Holiness means being set apart as something special. And the name of God, as we all know, is a holy name, and it is not to be used lightly. And I think sometimes we do use the name God lightly. Because I think we, we take it out of, we use the Lord's name in vain. And times that, especially for us of us who, you know, we watch TV, we see it used so much in vain. But how many of us really recognize just how holy and how glorious and how worthy is the name of God? It's made to be holy, righteous. It's not to be made as, as we see Hollywood make it, take it out in vain. But it's a holy name, a righteous name. As we see in the psalm, it, it continues on in verse 50 to verse 55. It says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of a humble estate. And he has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. As we think of Mary's psalm, we can see it broken down into three Amazing things. First of all, in verses 47 to 49, we notice that God is the Savior of the world. Secondly, in verses 50 to 53, Mary recognizes that God's mercy on those who fear Him. And in verses 54 to 55, she recognizes God's faithfulness to Israel. We see in these verses that Mary is overflowing with joy and wonder over being chosen from God to be the Christ bearer. But it's just not a personal blessing to her. She recognized that the Messiah comes as part of God's continuing activity and plan. You see, Mary shows here that she is not surprised that God would choose her, a humble girl, to bring the Messiah in this world. Because God always chooses simple people to do tremendous things for Him. This should be the same for all of us. For all of us who may be involved in ministry, to think about, why would God have me be involved in this ministry? Why would God have me to be a child of His? Why would God have any of us to do anything? We need to realize that we do none of the work, but that we are a servant that God uses to do His work. Without God, we can do nothing. Without God, there would be no results. Without God, there would be no hope. Without God, there would be no life. That's why we do what we do. 
Because none of us, as we even heard um, Brother Brian said this morning, as we come to the Lord's table, people use the excuse, I'm not worthy of it. None of us are worthy. But it's because of the grace of God that we can take that this morning. Because we worship a forgiving, a, a God that loves us so much that he would send his son to die for us. That's the power that we have. We have power in the gospel. Not in ourselves. I can tell you right now, I have no power up here. But it's only because of God. And because of what God has done for all of us. You see, we need to realize that we are all part of a small part of a story. What story, you may ask? God's story. God's story is huge. It's a story that we can't put into words, but it's a story that he allows us to be a part of. You see, our lives need not to be my life or your life. But our lives need to belong to God. Our lives need to be about him. Our lives need to say, you know what, God? Whatever it is you want to do, you do it. Whether or not it messes up my plans or not. I want to follow after you. We need to know that we are just a small part of his story that he allows us to be a part of. As I was preparing this week, I came across this quote. And it said this, when we make God the center of our lives, we can't help but to worship. No matter what the circumstance. When we don't worship, we tend to worry. Worship or worry. You choose when you're in a tough situation. You see, the question for each one of us is we are faced in, in circumstances that we can't handle. What are we going to do? Are we going to worship? Are we going to praise God? I think sometimes we forget that God is in control of all things that come into our lives. You know, we can't explain it, but we have to trust that God knows better than we do. And he does. No matter what we're going through. So the question is, are you going to worship? Are you going to worry? You see, Mary, after the angel had talked to her and she realized that how humble of, of a person and how humble this was that God would choose her to bring forth the Savior of the world, she worshipped. She sang. This morning, how do we apply this? I want to use a couple of verses as a part of our application this morning. As we think of trusting God, a verse that we all are familiar with, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. That's who we need to trust. Don't trust yourself. Trust God. He will direct your path. He will direct where He wants you to go. The second verse is Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. If you don't know what to do, if you need answers, go to God. That's where you find the answers. You can talk to people. You can ask people different questions. But guess what? God knows. God is the ultimate person that we need to go to. You see, when life seems that it's falling apart, we need to realize that this is the best time to worship. Worship is about proclaiming that God is worth more than you. As long as you are able to script your own life, you don't really need to worship. You are trusting that certain events will give your life meaning. But when things are taken away from you, when life goes off script, as we would call it, 
this is when you realize who God is. You see, the reality is that when the life that God with God is often harder than the life apart from God. But let's be glad that we have God to fall back on. Let's, have, let's be glad that we have a Savior that came to save this earth so that we could just rest in Him. So I want to challenge all of us in here this morning. You know, we, as I talked about the last time on a Sunday night, I know a lot of you weren't here, we complicate Christmas. But let us not forget who Christmas is about. Christ. Let us show him, especially this last week, you know, when we go into shopping malls and the traffic gets busy and, you know, uh, this person cuts you off, you know, and things happen. Remember who is your father? Christ. Remember who you represent? Christ. But for you in here this morning that don't know Christ as your Savior, you've never experienced what Christmas is all about. I challenge you this morning to make this the first Christmas that you've ever celebrated. Because again, if you've never placed faith in Christ, you can't experience Christmas for what Christmas is about. As Joyce sang that song, this is the last line that it says, I am not brave, 